0: business owners likely will have only one shot to sell a business. Most don't understand what drives value and how buyers look at a business. Until now. Welcome to the How to Sell a Business podcast, where every week we talk to the subject matter experts, advisors, and those around the deal table about how to sell at maximum value. Every business will go to sell one day. It's only a matter of when. We're glad you're here. The podcast starts now.
1: Welcome to another episode of How to Sell Your Business podcast. On today's episode, I got to visit with Scott Ward. Now, Scott uh, is a former franchisee of the Play Against Again Sports franchise, and, they, and he was a multi-unit franchisee on top of that. And so... I wanted to visit with him, number one, because retail is, is a terribly complex type business. I mean, it's dependent on obviously customers, but more so on employees. And one of the things that we found in our conversation is, is the employees became who bought the business. And that's a little bit different from, from the way a, a business normally is sold. I mean, I mean it's great to be able to sell to employees if you can do it that way, but it's not very often that you can. Number one because pre- predominantly because of lack of capital. They may just not have that kind of access to capital to buy. And so we had the opportunity to visit through you know some of the things that you know how did he prepare the business to sell? He went through a couple of brokers that it didn't work out so well. And by aligning with the franchise or he was able to, to come alongside of some of the people that he had been raising up through the organization to actually become his buyers. And he wrote a book, um, memorializing these, these types of uh, adventures, as as he put it, adventures in uh, uh, throughout his career, and the book is called "Scabs, Scars, and Pots of Gold: True Life Stories from a Successful Franchisee." And so, I found his story fascinating, and I'm certain you will too. So let's get on with the show. Okay, good morning. Um, I'm your host, Ed Meisigland. I teach business owners how to build value and maximize the value of their companies when they choose to sell, when they want to sell, how they want to sell, and for what they want to sell as far as value goes. Um, On today's show, I am really excited to welcome Scott Ward. Scott's successfully sold uh, his franchise in the last few years, and he authored a book, and that book is entitled, Scab, Scars, and Pots of Gold, The True Stories of a Successful Franchisee. And having done deals for a long time, I can tell you that there's a most businesses don't sell, and a lot of people don't talk about that, um, but to be successful in selling your business is is certainly something to celebrate. So welcome to the show, Scott.
2: Hey, thank you. So glad to be here, Ed. I appreciate the invite.
1: Well, I'm I'm happy to have you. I I before the show started, I, I began with uh, a little overview of you, but could you go ahead? Could you go ahead and kind of cover um, your background and, and what you've been doing since you sold the company?
2: Sure. So, yeah, I spent over 25 years as a multi-store uh, owner of Play It Again Sports stores. It was one of their initial franchisees back in the 90s, and really grew with them and their kind of learning curve. And it was a great experience. It was a great franchise it enabled me to do what a lot of franchises do for people. No one in my uh, family, immediate family had ever owned a business or really completed college. And so there was not a lot of that kitchen table, you know, business talk, a stratagem and, of things. So the franchise really helped me with that. Uh, and similar things when it came to exit, you know, I right. I didn't know anything really The the franchise as i was aging through the franchise they uh, you know they were as well as, as people came up for resale so that was actually very helpful since i sold the business in the last 4 years or so i realized you know being a community based guy in a community based store um, i started thinking about what to do next and i love my community i realized that property values and property taxes affect the money going into our basic communities. And then I thought, well, wow, commercial real estate is a big portion of that. And if I can help other businesses with their leasing or purchasing of investment and be involved in that same way, uh, that, you know, has provided a real uh, meaningful, you know, second career for me in, in that sense. And uh, it has been a lot of fun because let's say I'm one of the few commercial real estate guys now that's actually owned a business. So I think about your cash flow.
1: You know what, and and I, d- I have to imagine that that is that is a value add because you know just being able to relate to the like you said the challenges of cash flow and all of the all of the trials and tribulations that go into just just existing as a business owner, and I'm I'm certain that 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 your second career is is just you know it it it's all about doing just that, that, uh, that you can relate. And I'm, I'm certain that, uh, your clients appreciate that. So I got a bunch of questions. You get, you ready? Hit me, hit me. All right. So why, why, why play it against sports? How did you get into that?
2: So, uh, I, I, you mentioned my book and that's my opening thing in my little book, the scab scars and pots of gold. Yeah. I was sitting in a when I first came out of school, I was working actually for ad agencies and film production companies. And I was a writer and I was sitting in my office, looking out to the parking lot with the, uh, the owner pulling in in his really nice car coming in a little late. I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> I should own my own business.
1: It, everybody and, uh, should do it. It's easy.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, um, so film production company or an ad agency, but there was a little recession that came along and that's the first thing that budgets were getting <laughs> cut for <laughs> people to add budgets. And I said, well, I had actually been a customer in this cool little sports store called Play It Again Sports. And we were moving, uh, relocating at the time. My wife got a job offer uh, coming back to Atlanta. And I, I thought, maybe let me check that out. Because again, I really wanted a community-based business. And I'm kind of a tree hugger, hiker, outdoorsman. And I thought recycling that, what could ever? What can never go out of business? You know, in a recession, let's see, sports, sure. recycling. You know, uh, how it's it was a no brainer. So, so that's that was why a, I investigating played against sports.
1: So that was a, a conscious decision. I mean, you really you you thought about what what was recession proof and how you were going to offset it. Boy, that's that's some good foresight. Um, so. Fast forward now, 25 years, how did you know it was the right time to exit?
2: Well, I'd always had this antsiness to do a little bit of something else. And uh, my kids were early high school, and I started thinking, before they get into college, it might be a good time to transition before we get that heavy college payment. Again, thinking about personal financial cash flow. And how, you know, a lot of small to medium sized businesses, we, we live almost personally off that business cash flow. Sure. So I'm like, okay, let's sell this business. I'm kind of burned out anyway, blah, blah, blah. Like we all get, let's sell it now. Okay. And I listed it with a broker and he created this nice booklet for me. And then I never heard from him again. Um, And I kept, and I even called and I was like, and so I was like, well, you're not worth anything. Let me try someone else. So I tried someone else and they were a little bit better, but they were still not really speaking to me in terms of how can we get your business better to sell and valuations. They just pretty much evaluated the way it sat. We're trying to sell it the way it sat. Um, Even selling your home, at least the real estate agent comes in and says, Hey, we need to stage this or you need to clean this up. You know, they, I, I found on the business broker side, I wasn't getting that. And then it just, I realized it and really being a part of a franchise helped too, because I had insight into what others were selling for or not selling for Mm -hmm. with specific, uh, same inventory and margins and sales and comps and all these things. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm just not ready to, you know, a year and a half went by. I was like, I just need to mentally re-gear myself. That six inch difficulty between years, mentally gear Mm -hmm. myself up, reboot this business, kick it in the butt, ramp up everything about it, about the EBITDA and everything else, and then we'll sell it right. So I, so that's what I did. And we ramped up and another, I guess, six years went by. The kids were pretty much getting into college or getting out of college. And then I created a five-year business plan to sell the business.
1: Good for you. I can tell you most people don't do that.
2: Well, it just, it hit, this hit me actually after I sold it. I mean, it, it was just, I'm, you know, like a lot of us, our heads are in the weeds with our own business, but when I finally came up for air, I realized we business people, we either have this great product and service right. that we know how to sell it. And we come up, we take sales seminars to learn how to sell yeah. and learn how to market our business to what, for the business that we're selling, Well, you know, the service or the product we're selling. Right. But then when it comes to actually selling our business, we don't yeah. do any of that. We just think, oh, you just obviously should know that it's worth something. But you have to make it so in this in this five-year plan, I had a three-year uh, balance sheet and PL management program. Okay. I just for three years specifically worked on making and squeezing out every bit of profit and showing that profit. And yes, I was going to pay maybe a little more taxes here, a little more. Sure. And then I had a two-year marketing plan. Good for you. To And and I was able to sell it and out of that two-year marketing plan. I think I sold it in 18, 19 months or something. That's when we finally closed.
1: So where? who coached you on the plan or did you just – you just put it together yourself and as you
2: franchise helped a little bit, right. Okay, You know, at that point, again, <laughs> that as those years had gone up, we were on our learning curve together. Um, also I had been elected to be the, um, on the franchise advisory council for the whole country. So i, I the liaison between okay. the franchisor and all the franchisees who are Kind of like herding cats sometimes. Yeah. All very independent minded, but it was a great spot to be because I again had a had a broad view of the overall system, margins, right. inventory, all the data goes into to get sliced and diced when you go into selling a business. You know, yeah. who,
1: no, there, there's a there's a lot of scrutiny. Uh, I I guess um, I wanted to ask. So you you well first thing, did so the franchise didn't have a resale component to their I mean it's a it's a large franchise operation. it's, it's, oh, it's much better so, now.
2: It's much better now. <laughs> well yeah, probably
1: because of you. They're
2: getting <laughs> uh, Which what, what you want, you know, you want that in a franchise. You want everybody getting better and learning, at least you you feel like your royalties are going somewhere. They're getting better. But um so I knew I needed a booklet. I knew I needed yeah. uh, you know.
1: Yeah. The, uh, that the sounds promotional material. Sure.
2: Yeah. It's <coughs> and it lays out every single thing about your business, you know, and, and that's yeah, what it, I would encourage anyone getting ready to sell their business is you need to just be a total open book about every aspect and that yeah. creates trust immediately.
1: Yeah, and and it, and it does, and I, but at the same time, I think that that there needs to be the appropriate phasing of information based on the as as you develop that that trust.
2: Yeah, yeah. So one of those was yeah because everybody comes in kicking the can. Well, how much you want for it? You know? <laughs> oh, I'll sure. You right. And so there was a you had to submit your financial statements and stuff sure. to be approved but through the franchisor. But if you're selling an independent business, I would suggest you have the same exact criteria, you know, work with your business broker, you know, such as yourself or your banker accountant attorneys to, to say, okay, here's the minimum that yeah. someone who's realistic about buying your business is going to have in personal assets. So you don't, you don't
1: go any further. Yeah. Did, did you, when you were working or evaluating brokers, how did you do, how did you select? I mean, you you said the first one was a dud. Second one was a step above a dud. Um, How did, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I've always been pretty transparent. I think, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, it's better to have no broker than a bad one, you know, right, because it, it just, right. it, it, it just locks you in and your and your hands are tied. So but but what were your steps and and I guess if you could rewind it, what what would have been the red flag for you on selecting someone to represent you?
2: So when I finally did sell it, I did sell it without a broker because at that point the franchise had ramped up uh, their marketing of stores for sale and that type nice. of thing. Got it. But and I had I really felt good about my package. The second but is part of the data that the franchise was coming up with, was 70% of the sales for a store. And this is just unique to this industry uh-huh. that I was in. 70% of the stores would sell to either an employee or a customer. Really? So they were like, you just put a big sign on the door that says, Franchise for sale. Owner retiring, transitioning, whatever. And you, you know, we I fully huh. instructed my employees and educated them as to their value to the business, and you know how if anyone asked about it, to how to guide them. So then, so then we just put it was up on the uh, national franchise sure. board, and then it, and then it was up on our personal website board. So. So that's how we we started getting those, but but to your question, after you know being involved with the Georgia Brokers Association a little bit, and and then seeing the two, I'm also in a succession planning group. Yeah. Um, they in an, in evaluating a broker, I would say you know one is you know very clearly kind of like almost like working with an accountant or an attorney, you set a scope of work and a timeline and some expectations. And then you have something that you can compare maybe apples to apples, like, okay, this broker is going to put together this book, but then what are you going to do with it? Um, What are you, do you have other outside advisors? Or are you going to also in our initial consultation, help me create better value perhaps, or mm-hmm. suggest some outside coaching that can be brought in and a realistic timeline from that broker, knowing what it's going to take to sell because you know, it's just not going to sell. It's well, not going to sell. Right, it it could take a couple of years or two or three years or longer.
1: Well, Believe it, believe it or not. I mean, 53% of, of, the time to, from engagement to selling is, is, and that's so that's half. It's it's six to the twelve months. And okay, that's
2: awesome. Yeah. Well, then yeah. that's a, you know because you're a good broker.
1: <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know about that, but you know where the um,
2: you know where the people are that are interested in
1: buying. Well, well, that's that's true, but one of the things you said, which is total counterintuitive, is that seventy percent of the of your buyer of the buyer pool for the franchise is coming in internally or a customer. And, and so I guess my question is how did you, how did you communicate to your employees that, Hey, I'm selling the business, you're integral to it. And I, I don't, I, I don't want you to be a flight risk because that's really, I mean, from, from a, in a brokerage environment, that is an absolute no, no that, you know, know, and it's yeah. a, cause that value is stuck in those employees and boy, letting them know, cause you know, everybody watches the movies, you know, I'm going to get displaced, you know, somebody's going to come in and break it up and sell the pieces and, and that it doesn't happen that way. It never happens that way. The, the, the value is in the employees. But boy, I have to imagine that was a real big risk for you to 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 communicate selling.
2: Maybe it was the communication that I had already been trust I had already built yeah. up with my employees. Yeah. You know, it wasn't That's like a- I was coming out of the blue with you know, communication. Oh, he's never talked to us before about how (laughs) the
1: store runs.
2: Um, When I first hire employees, I set them up. In fact, I mentored six former employees to go on and own their own businesses.
1: Good for you. Three of
2: them, three of them were played against sports stores, other played against sports stores in the region. And it was tough on me to lose them. Sure. But I want, you know, I told them, when the, I f- would first bring an employee on, I said, yeah. "If you're here three, four, five years from now, you should be getting close to buying your own store.
1: Good for or you." Running
2: this one or something yeah. I would set them up. Uh, my expectation of them.
1: So, so, all right. So that that's the expectation. So, as an employee, typically they don't have a whole lot of funding. I mean, the 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 people you know that we that we have worked with that want to sell to key people you know, they, they may be operationally sound, but financially they may be short. So did you, did you bump into that? And if so, how did you get around it?
2: So I would tell them my story, you know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of funds getting going, but I had a little bit from, uh, you know, a relative that passed away, not a whole lot, but just enough. But it was, you know, enough that I could put together a plan and then present it to friends and family and say, would you come in with me as an investor or partner on, you know, buying this franchise. And so I just, um, educated them as to my, how I started. And, you know, in fact, when the employees uh, would come in again, I kind of go this about employee retention and how do you get better employees? Um, you, you treat it more like it's an entry level to a larger corporate professional. It's not just this retail, a yeah. uh, little retail store. This is an entry level position to the sporting goods industry, industry which was gigantic. Still right? is. Yeah. So, yeah. So whether you go to go going into engineering, product design, safety, health, healthcare, medical, yeah. um, um, uh, marketing and media. I would, I would, I would ask my employees, what, what areas are you interested in and in, in growing your career? And I would speak to them as if you're coming on, this is the beginning of a career. So I just spoke to them in more of executive terminology, Again. even if they were part-time employees. And I just think that it would help over time. And that built the trust. So when it came time for me to sell, swinging all the way back around to your original question. How did you talk to your employees about this? We were already having conversations about, you know, yeah. Business plans and business models and what are our sales going to be in, oh, our margins dropped. Oh gosh, that's not good. Nobody's getting their bonus. You know, we um, would really, I do so, well, so you. Do well.
1: so you were, you, you were really a transparent, a transparent owner from, from the beginning. And I mean, that's the way it sounds. Um, because I know a lot of employees, um, they don't, or a lot of business owners don't want their employees to know the kind of money that the owners making, because then they're going to squeeze, they're going to squeeze on on bonuses and so on and so forth.
2: Well, to be clear, they didn't know how much I was making. It sure. wasn't that transparent? But but I, you know, we just like any sales, you know, we set sales goals, we had margin goals, and then we got rewarded for it. I get you know, it. But I, you know, I, when we first start, sat down, I said, you know, I've been doing this 25 years. It's awesome. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm going to be doing some transitioning. You wouldn't expect me not to, you know? yeah. I expect you to, you know, I just put myself on that level and I said, yeah. you guys are an integral part of this and I'm going to, you know, we're going to be putting the store up for sale and you guys need to be on your toes because, you know, the future owner could be coming in and. Yeah and watching looking around.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that well, yeah, and like I, mean, I said, it, I it, mean it it it's so c- I didn't have
2: anybody they were yeah. it,
1: so so with the with the franchise, I mean one of the things that I guess I I I want to know has to do with like technological obsolescence. Like for example, you know, do people Still go into retail and buy. You know, I know we did. Uh, you know, as our kids were growing up, we 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 always seemed to be the last. You know, when when they the kids picked their sports, we always seemed to be the last people to go to play against sports, and and everything had been picked over, and oh, and I, <laughs> I, I had yeah. to go to full retail. <laughs> but yeah.
2: I, but maybe you could at least tr- trade in a, a tennis racket for a bat or a bicycle. Yeah. Or, uh, well, so or a bigger bike.
1: so does does Facebook Marketplace? I know Craigslist has kind of gone by the wayside, but I mean, it seems as though a lot of transactions are now being handled, you know, by the the people themselves. And you know, I'm just curious to know whether or not that. How did you and, guys offset that?
2: Yeah. As the internet came on, it, it's like a lot of things in any technology. Mm-hmm. And I almost kind of look at it in a judo versus karate traditional, mm-hmm. like karate mm-hmm. is kind of like force against force. And judo is like, you take force and you, and you go with it. Yeah. So when the internet and all this started coming on and all the price comparison, people would pop up and go, well, Walmart's got it for this, you know, and they yeah. put the phone in your face or something. You'd say, that's fantastic. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. I- we'll, we will, we'll match it. But here was the thing that, um, oh, you, you look at the bottom line and it says, Oh, they're all triple extra smalls in chartreuse. <laughs> so if you really okay. want the navy blue one in your size or whatever it is, uh, there was a lot of that that happened on the internet. But we've just embraced that technology okay. and used it to our advantage to okay. help us sell our advantage. And the yeah. advantages with this particular model of, of business was that it played again. We gave you a full guarantee and inspection period of like 10 days. So you can take it to the ballpark if it was used, you know, but um, new, of course, is new. We're going to always, like anybody, give refunds on new stuff if it's defective or whatever. But you you can't get that type of easy return. And you can also create even more of a discount by bringing something in We would start going through all the things we took and people would start thinking, Oh, we didn't think about the horseshoes we've never used in five years. We didn't think about (laughs) those little, you know, things like, yeah, we need little kids bikes and we need baby seats and we need, you know, there were all these things you're sitting around in people's homes. You'd start going through this list and they'd go, okay, we'll, you know, hold that and we'll be right back. So when we were getting price comparison, we, we, you know, our that particular franchise is unique in that we gave guarantees, we yeah. gave customer service, we would match the same price on any given day on the internet. Something could be up or down. You know, sometimes it was more expensive
1: sure.
2: uh, than what we had, well, uh, and I'd say, Ed, should I raise my price for you? And they'd go, oh no, no. Yeah, you know, so we'd have fun with it.
1: And they, well, but, uh, that's what we did. Yeah, it's um, you know, and and the the funny thing is it at least the one locally that we have i mean it's always busy it it is always busy and and which is which is great to see i'm um, i'm 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 really happy when uh, you know when when local businesses are are thriving um how did how did you value your company how did you what where did you come so you, you i mean you got some consultation from brokers that's true but then, when you went out to do it yourself, I mean, what did you go to market with? How did you price it, or did, were you getting guidance from the? Yeah, I, I know you said that the or provided some, you know, uh, market data on other sales or resales. Did um, I mean did did it hold true? I'm you know, I, I'm yeah, multiple I I, I, looked,
2: I would look at those, and so I had a rough idea from other market data from other resales around the country based on mm-hmm. inventory levels and what our you know sales were compared to their yearly sales. But then we had a relationship, the franchise had a relationship with an accounting firm, a third party accounting firm, not my accountant, mm-hmm. that was knew the business, the knew the resale business and knew our you know, because there's several different franchise groups, right? There's Once Upon a Child and Plato's Closet and sure. Dialogue Or and all those others. So, so this accounting group knew the Windmark branded properties. Because of that, um, I, I went to them and I, I think I paid a thousand dollars for them to do a complete three or four valuation, you know, three or four different styles of valuation on our business, okay. um, which you're more familiar with those than yeah, I am at this point but that's point. okay but there's the uh, you know there's the cash flow model the ebitda model the the times yeah, whatever sure so, so they did they did four of those and it came out and i got i had them do that after the 3 years of right. PL balance sheet management that i had done i was ready to go to market now and do my 2 year marketing plan right. to sell the business and so that's when i was pulling together the final sales booklet and I wanted their um, valuation and they evaluated the business like I can't remember. It was 12% or maybe a little bit more higher than what I thought it was worth because they knew the business. And here's what's interesting is maybe even as a business broker, there might be certain brokers that are better at selling, you know, convenience stores and some are better at selling restaurants or manufacturing or tech companies. But knowing that, that really was worth my thousand dollars because it was like, it was was a bunch of money more than what I invested to get those valuations. And the education I got from them was one of those that I even knew about my business, but I didn't know about it to talk about it. And that is bankers look at your inventory as a, if you're an inventory type company, your warehousing, distribution, whatever you've got inventory as a part of your assets, they look at those at those inventory and say, how old is it? If it's old inventory, it's not worth as much. What are the turns? If you're right. you know, uh, if you're a broker or a banker who understands that, that's another thing. Get a banker who understands your type of business. All bankers will say they can, but they, they can't. Right? <laughs> They're not all the same today. Nope. Some of them specialize better in certain industries. <clears throat> but Most bankers would look at used inventory and go, oh, we're going to give you like seven cents on the dollars.
1: That's where I was going with this. I was like, oh my gosh, I I have to Yeah, go ahead.
2: However, in a used situation, which there are tons of used, I just heard a statistic this week, like 70 or 80% of Americans have purchased or sold something used in the last five years through some sort of used website, whether it's these high-end purses sure, or whether it's whatever it is. So, so that used inventory on, on my books, if I'm getting a 60 or 70% margin on used versus 35 to 45% margin on new,
1: right. Right. Which
2: one's more valuable?
1: Sure. Oh, and And, you're, and and you're, yeah, you're exactly right on the banker on the banker portion of it that if they understand, you know, when it goes to underwriting
2: Oh my yeah. gosh, the light bulbs come on, and then you go, well, if it's not turning fast, it's old inventory. But if it's turning fast, it's it's yeah. it's just cash flow. Right, right. So there's a subtlety that then you have to educate your buyer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that no, and I can I can totally see I could totally see that, and I, and I, I did not, I did not think about it that way. And like I told you before, I've been doing this thirty years. I never thought, I never thought of how you just described uh, that type of inventory. That uh, you know, the the margin associated with the, I knew it, I knew it was high, but I never, I looked at it from a from a profitability standpoint, not necessarily as a collateral. Value, so I know I know we're coming a little bit up on time, and I I, I do want to talk about scab scars and pots of gold. Oh, yeah. Um, that's not just a book for franchisees, right? No, no that that's my,
2: my editor said I should niche it, and since I had a franchise, we'll say franchisees. But it's really an Aesop's fable for business. Okay. So with Aesop's fable, you tell a story, and it has a, a moral to the story. So with scabs, scars, and pots of gold, I tell my true life stories from beginning to end, how I went through everything all the way up to selling the business. And my stories, I compare to true life examples of enterprise level businesses that did the exact same thing, mm. the mistakes I did. And they have roomfuls of MBAs and CFOs and stuff, but they did the same mistakes. And. Then there's a, so there's a business lesson moral to the story that resounds with no matter how, what size your business is. So it's, it's a easy read. It's kind of like say a chicken soup for the soul or nice or remove my cheese.
1: So be- before we conclude, what, if I, if I'm a, a played against sports franchisee, you know, and I am just thinking about just beginning. I I know I'm going to have to do something in the next few years. I mean what what are my what are my next steps? What do I, regardless of, of of a broker or whatever? But what what is what do I need to start thinking about? How do I start mentally preparing? I know I can I can I can get the book, but but before that, because I I think the the challenge that a lot of business owners face is mentally checking out With as soon as they say I'm selling I mean they they check out take a foot off the gas and that it's is hard. It, it's hard, right and so, so i guess hard. what yeah what, what what are your final thoughts on you know this is these are the things you need to be thinking about
2: so with any any plan a good well thought out plan that's going to have a timeline and okay. expectations and, and goals to reach at each of those steps throughout your timeline. So when you set out a, a, a reasonable timeline for selling your business, that gives you those expectations so that mm-hmm. you don't get checked out get because you say to yourself, okay, well, I'm where I am said I'm supposed to be. So let's keep at it because here in another few weeks, I'm going to be at this next step and, and at the next step. And I'm, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel And I'm not checking out Um, when you don't have any expectations or any, you know, guideposts then yes. So easy to check out because you're just spinning. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, you know, so get the proper people get up. I would say, you know, check in with your accountant, check in with your attorneys, check in with a business broker and interview a couple of different business brokers. Um, And, you know, maybe even your personal wealth management, people to help mm-hmm. you get that side. And with those, your team, now you've built a team to run your business. Now you need to build a team to sell your business. So you yeah. get the right people and you ask the right questions and that will help you come up with that proper timeline. And it sounds like a lot, but this could be done in a week. I mean, yeah, it really man, doesn't does it. take that long to pull that team together. Cause every all those people I mentioned, including people like yourself, Ed want to help. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and it's just going to, and part of that might even be you know, you get a coach or a business evaluation person who can come in, and man, there's so much cash that can yeah. be squeezed out of everybody's PL and balance sheet. You don't even realize. Yeah. Like in my situation, with my, with, I now handle leasing for people. Just because your lease is not up for three years doesn't mean you can't renegotiate it right now and squeeze some cash flow out of that. Put it in towards marketing or whatever it is to then promote within the next three years your EBITDA and your cash flow, and suddenly your business valuation has been, you know, one point five more than what it was. Yeah, it's fun.
1: Yeah, I, I I wanted to make sure since from a timing standpoint, I I meant to get get to it earlier. But how does franchises like this fare? in recessionary times?
2: Uh, the used business does, does very well. Yeah, I mean, it does well at yeah. like normal. Everybody wants to save money. The nice thing about um, any used business or, or clearance or closeout uh-huh. is to make sure you have a good product mix to answer um, your target yeah. audience, target customers' need. So even if you don't have everything they want, they can at least pick it up new or you know, in some other way, got it. Um, they don't have to go to another location. Okay, that's a key.
1: Yeah. So, how do we connect with you?
2: So, um, I've got I've got a website, Scott Ward, um, scottbeward com, and then there's um, you know my LinkedIn. email address,
1: yeah. Scottbeward
2: four at gmail. Okay. Um, uh, the book you can find on Amazon, uh, it's under, you know, entrepreneurship, uh, franchising, even again, you don't have to have a franchise, I think, to get, get some fun kicks and giggles out of some of the stories. Uh, nice. I use, uh, I use Bobby, um, who's, uh, um, Talladega Nights, Bobby, oh. like <laughs> slingshot. <laughs> right. right.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I will we will make sure that we have all the ways to get in touch with you in the show notes. And you know, thanks uh, you know, thank you so much for the the time. I mean, I I know your experiences and and the work that you currently do as well as you know, I, I the big takeaway, you know, just um you know how you shepherd you shepherded employees to not only go on you know that worked for you but went on into entrepreneurship and i think that you know that is a it's, a it's a station to you on you know just the kind of guy you are and and the help that you've given so thanks so much for your time today and i i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did
2: i did I, it was a pleasure ed thank you so much
1: uh, all right well thanks thanks again we'll see you around
0: Thank you for joining us today on the How to Sell Your Business podcast. If you want more episodes packed with strategies to help sell your business for the maximum value, visit howtosellabusinesspodcast.com for tips and best practices to make your exit life-changing. Better yet, subscribe now so you never miss future episodes. This program is copyrighted by MISO, Inc., all rights reserved.